You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Monday afternoon. Let's turn to our very first guest of the week. Now, in the next 15 minutes or so, we're talking about men and mental health, especially how COVID-19 is impacting men's mental health differently. And I'm really delighted to be joined once again by Alison Halexa, who is a psychotherapist and head of corporate psychology at OT&P Mindworks. Welcome back on the program, Alison. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me on, and Happy New Year, Nareen. Happy New Year, Kung Hei Fat Choi, and may the year of the ox be a, a happy and a healthy one for you and, and for your family and all of us. Um, now, you. I suppose the more I looked into this topic, the more shocking it is to see you know, how much of an impact this is uh, that COVID-19 is having on our mental health and general health. Um, but let's talk about men specifically. Um, why should we be thinking and talking about this? And what's your assessment about their emotions uh, during COVID? Yeah, you know what? Most people don't actually speak about men and their emotions very much. So it's great that you and I are having this opportunity to, to come together today and really explore how men have been during this pandemic and really how it's affected their mental well-being and, of course, the people around them. So I work, Noreen, with so many men um, in the clinical space, you know, with male clients and also in the corporate space in terms of some of the male leaders and employees I work with. And many people really assert a very bold narrative onto men that they're unemotional. And I can say with certainty that they are absolutely not. They're socialized not to connect and express most emotions. That's absolutely true. But we're therefore only socialized to see them as unemotional, which doesn't mean, again, that they actually are. So worldwide, men in most countries are four times as likely as women to end up succeeding or completing suicide. So it can't be true that men are emotionless, Mm. right? Usually people, when they complete a suicide, are not empty of emotions. So men have emotional pain and experience a whole other range of emotions like the second half of the planet does. Now, some emotions, when we look at specifically with men, um, can really map onto expressions of power, right? So men are often socialized to be able to express anger and quite expansively, right? Like often it's very much celebrated when men show their anger that they're able to kind of fill that space and again, express that they're powerful. So men though, again, if we really look under the hood, even an emotion like anger, which is what therapists call a secondary emotion, even something like that is usually a cover-up for other kind of deeper emotions, what we call primary emotions, such as sadness, disappointment, or even depression or anxiety for men. So I will stand by the fact that men have emotions, they feel very deeply, and unfortunately have often been socialized through a mixture of different factors, right? Culture, religion, schooling, parenting, and so on, not to connect with the emotions, not to be able to express them, and actually really to see the value in doing so. Alison, you you mentioned a really interesting point just now that anger is a secondary emotion and that, you know, um, the the primary emotions are maybe something like sadness or fear. Does that mean that the men have sort of processed those primary reasons, uh, primary uh, feelings before exhibiting uh, anger? Or or why do they jump straight to anger? Yeah, that's a really good question. So 
anger is the more socially acceptable emotion for men to go to. So they absolutely often do not go under uh, underneath and look for the primary emotions. Most of them stay at that secondary level and they express the anger. Um, they sometimes try to drink the anger away or, you know, do other things with it. But most men don't know how to even look under the hood and say, wow, you know, underneath this iceberg, I wonder if there are, you know, other feelings such as sadness or disappointment um, or depression even. Yeah. So what's shifted during the pandemic, uh, you know, as it relates to men and their emotions? And, and what are you seeing uh, with some of your male clients? Yeah. So, you know, we're speaking right here right now about men and emotions, Noreen. And that's really because the pandemic has really activated so many emotions worldwide. And again, men are not immune from the range of emotions that most of us are experiencing right now during the pandemic. So with this pandemic, I'm seeing way more men step into therapy. And the good news with that is a lot of them are doing so without the shame that I've seen in the past with men. So before the pandemic, a lot of times when men would come into therapy, they would try to explain it away like, you know, their HR department said that they needed therapy to be able to advance in their careers, or it was kind of a drop off and, and their spouse said, you know, you need to go do therapy. And I'm seeing a lot of those kind of shame based, you know, cover ups um, for why they're in therapy kind of disappear. Now, a lot of men, you know, who I'm seeing in therapy right now, tell me that they're feeling a lot. And some of these men Noreen, can put words around these feelings and, and some quite um, elegantly and others simply cannot like it's really kind of stuck here and they don't have words for it. Now, some men right now, right during the pandemic, just like the again, the second half of the population are feeling incredible pressure to earn money or to feel relevant still in their careers, right, or in their lives. And others have taken some pretty bold steps during the pandemic to try to repurpose their lives or connect in their relationships in ways that they haven't in the past. So for some, you know, men, they, they've been kind of connecting more with this idea of emotions because of something, you know, pretty awful that's happened. And for some men, it's, you know, been something inspiring in terms of life being short, right? Things not being guaranteed and wanting to maximize connection in their relationships. And for some men, it's a mingling of both, right? There have been some challenges, but also some inspirations during the pandemic, right? And this pandemic has connected most of us with some sense of loss, loneliness or even depression and again i'm saying this over and over again but it's you know men are never going to be immune to what the rest of us are experiencing they may again have been socialized not to express it or to drink them away or to eat them away these emotions but men and women both over this you know this past year have been navigating many experiences that are anything but rational and finally what i'm seeing right now is that many men are seeing emotions, and this is, you know, within the corporate work that I do, is really powerful ways to be able to lead differently, to inspire, you know, employees differently, as employees to be able to work differently and connect with other people, 
because again, they're gone are the days in the workplace where people are forgetting that all is fine, right? So I'm seeing men both in the personal, you know, in, in the clinical space and therapy, speaking about emotions more, or at least wanting to, but even within the corporate space, it's very encouraging how men are, have really started to open up at least to the idea that emotions have value. That's really encouraging to hear because it's it's never easy to talk about your emotions openly um, for, no. for, for men or for women. But I suppose especially for men because of the social conditioning, you know, they've been brought up to, you know, not really to, to project this sort of masculinity. And by projecting that sort of macho-ness, you don't talk about your feelings. But that's not true. No. By being vulnerable and by talking about it. People will get better, and there's sort of better understanding. I suppose let's back up a little, uh, a little bit. There, there was a question that I wanted to ask. You know, what exactly are emotions, and and how is that sort of different from thoughts? Yeah, uh, you know what? I'm glad we did back up because this is a really critical question. As most people, Noreen, that I meet, conflate the two. So most people actually don't know the difference between an emotion and a thought, and most people even conflate emotions with facts or thoughts with facts. So so let's just kind of step back and just get a bit granular here and allow me to geek out for a bit, if you will, by defining kind of really the difference between thoughts and emotions. So thoughts we can broadly understand really as being opinions or ideas about ourselves and the world, right? So thoughts are often linked with opinions, ideas, beliefs about ourselves and the world. So for example, you might have an opinion about where you want to eat lunch, right? You might have a thought that you want to go to a certain restaurant. And you may even have an idea, right, about the specific restaurant where you want to eat. You may even believe that it's the best restaurant in town. And these are all connected with thoughts that you're having. Emotions, though, by contract, by contrast, are more connected with feelings and experiences. So if we just, you know, keep with the same lunch example, when you eat in a so in the so-called best restaurant in town, you might feel a sense of joy, even by imagining going to the place. Or when you're actually at the restaurant, you may experience sadness or disappointment that the food arrived cold. And you may even walk out the restaurant feeling confused as to whether you will return. Now, interestingly enough, thoughts strongly influence emotions. If I can change the way that I frame an experience, then I can often watch my emotions about this experience change. So again, let's stick with the restaurant example I just mentioned. If I frame my lunch out at this restaurant really as an opportunity to connect with friends. So I bias my thinking towards the connection with friends and away from the actual food. Then when the food arrives cold, I may not even feel that sense of sadness or disappointment. In fact, I might feel joy at the sight of the food, reminding myself that this has been an opportunity to connect with friends. That's so fascinating. But by the same token, your emotions can also influence your thoughts and sometimes in, in a negative way and sometimes in a positive way. But sometimes if you have sort of this innate feeling, oh, it's going to be a bad experience, and you, um, it will affect your it, it will also affect your thoughts and, and cause um, some sort of negative behavior. 
Absolutely. There, there is a bi-directional relationship and, and, and the, the relationship between emotions and thoughts is the very fierce one. Um, but when people do want to try to shift emotional experiences, usually as therapists, we, we recommend to try to challenge thinking to start to bias your mind towards what's going well or to see it from a different perspective or put a different frame around the experience. Because emotions, when you work on ch uh, challenging them, it's much more difficult. We might work on regulating the emotional experiences, but the thoughts are, are more easily challenged. Yeah. Um, let's talk about sort of some tips for, that you may have for men who want to improve their emotional well-being. Um, you gave an excellent example just now, you know, start channeling some, some thoughts that can perhaps influence your emotions. Maybe that's a good starting point. Yeah. So what are some tips, right, for men who, who really want to start to, you know, be on this path, which is even for women, a lifelong path um, to improve their emotional well-being? You know, I'm thinking of a book right now that was written many years ago in the United States, although still a classic. And it was written by a male therapist, Terry Real, called I Don't Want to Talk About It. And it was actually focused, Noreen, on men and depression and how men experience depression and how they really experience emotions in the world. So I think the title alone, right, gives a good lens into the world of men and emotions, right, that at least up until this point in history, so many have been socialized to not talk about it, right? Saying that they don't want to talk about it or it's not important to talk about it. So as a first tip, I'm going to do just the opposite and say, talk about it. Start somewhere. Start with the path of least resistance. Now, it doesn't mean that the path of least resistance for every man on this planet is speaking with a therapist. Certainly not. Um, but many people may feel uh, more comfortable speaking with a therapist because therapists are not supposed to judge, right? We're, we're supposed to actually connect really with compassion with all of our clients. So for those on the call, you know, listening right now who would feel comfortable kind of speaking with someone who doesn't have a shared history or wants to feel like they're in a safe uh, environment, maybe therapy is something to explore. But some you know, really just need to kind of back up a bit and just start with the idea of checking in with themselves and asking, how am I feeling, right? And really starting to, again, understand that the thought part of ourselves, the rational part of ourselves is very different than the emotional part of ourselves. So if you're not going to go to therapy, if that is not for you, right, as a man, as a listener right now, then start with checking in with how you are feeling and start to build up your emotional vocabulary because most people have a much richer emotional landscape than they first imagine. So most people, when they're checking in and, and asking themselves, okay, how am I feeling about something? They usually play within a very small space, which is, you know, that can sometimes identify again, anger or, or happiness, but, Emotions are much more expansive. There are all these differences within each of these kind of primary, emo within these secondary emotions that most of us can connect with that I would say is a good, good starting point. And another thing I would say is for the men listening right now is just to start to identify what has shaped your relationship with emotions. So think back right to the men in your life who have been influential. What did they model about emotions? What did the women in your life tell you about emotions? 
how did your culture kind of inform your thinking or your beliefs around emotions, your own family, religion, you know, the jobs that you've been in. So very important to really, again, start to think about what's the path of least resistance? Is it, you know, speaking with a therapist? Is it speaking with a pastor? Is it speaking with your best friend? to start to connect with asking yourself how are you feeling and be willing and 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 you know unashamedly so to expand your emotional vocabulary and to think about what has informed your thinking about emotions thus far now something that's really critical when we're talking about men and emotions is that not all men will want to express emotions and here's the big kicker that's true with women as well so I see women in, in you know, the therapeutic setting who tell me that there's the opposite narrative imposed on them, that they're stereotyped to feel so much, to want to express so much. And some women say that that's absolutely not true for them. So just like women, men have their own zones of development with emotional awareness and expression and improving their emotional well-being. And so, you know, we're not looking to overcorrect here with men and to, you know, force a narrative on them that they all have to be super emotional. Because again, it's just like with women, different personalities. Exactly. It's such a spectrum. And perhaps some men are very good at expressing their emotions and very articulate. And it's about sort of building that vocabulary and being very specific about how you feel. And this is something I think all of us can, can work on. Finally, what about some tips for, for people in the men's lives, you know, for, for perhaps the women who are no doubt married mm. to men or, or mothers of boys, um, people who, who work with men or daughters of men? Um, how should we be approaching? this and, and how can we uh, sort of uh, are there any tips for us yes absolutely and I, and I think we absolutely need to take this question really seriously right how are we going to support the development of men's emotional experiences right it's not it's not enough to just say go and figure this out but we really got to kind of see how we can support this. So the first thing I would say is to not hold men in history and just make assumptions that they don't feel anything. So my hope is that I've made the case strongly enough today that um, men absolutely feel things. They just sometimes don't know how to express it. They sometimes are made to feel that they shouldn't express it. But it doesn't mean that we should assume that they don't feel anything. I think a second thing, right, really goes down to, um, again, not insisting that they be a certain way with their emotions, right? What we just talked about is to not to imagine that, again, that some men are going to go into this super emotional space and, and want to play there, you know, for the rest of their lives, because that's simply not true. I think, you know, if we roll back the clock, Right. I think even schools and parents need to really think about the narratives that they share in the classrooms or in their homes or in their local communities and to start to blow up these myths that real men don't feel. So I think, you know, we should all start to have our eyes more open to how men may already be expressing their emotions in kind of sneaky ways. So looking more specifically at their body language, looking also at the choices that they're making, right? I mentioned earlier that often men will self-medicate their emotions by drinking, using drugs, acting out in different ways. So look around and don't just, again, assume 
they're not feeling anything or doing anything with their emotions, but start to look at the choices that they're making, right? And again, we want to go back to path of least resistance. Is it getting them to open up more with, right, a friend or a pastor or by starting to paint or write or to run, right, and even to start to gain some clarity by, by moving their bodies differently? So, you know, men are just like women, as in we all have our own connections with emotions. And what we want to do is to start to talk about it and to meet men where they're at. And for some, that means being very direct and asking, right, how they're feeling. But for others, that might be a very scary question. And to kind of build a bridge in a different way by talking about what's going on in the world and saying, you know, so many people are suffering, which is absolutely true. And to say, I mean, you know, I wanted to check in with you specifically and see how okay are you doing? Exactly. So those are some ideas, Noreen. But I think, you know, just by starting this conversation right here, right now, um, we've got to start signaling to men, you know, that it's more than okay to feel what they feel. And in fact, to, to have them see the value in doing so. Absolutely. Alison, thank you so much for starting this conversation. What a fruitful discussion. And I really hope our listeners will, will take away something uh, from this and, and uh, support the development of the men in our lives. Uh, meanwhile, thank you so much to Alison Halexa, who is a psychotherapist and head of corporate psychology at OTMP Mindworks. Thank you very much to you once again, Alison. Thank you very much, Noreen.